Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that tallies the gains and losses of everyday history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're talking about a true crime farce from the early days of American history, the time when a wrongfully accused man was able to reclaim his good name thanks to a comical misstep by a not-quite-criminal mastermind. The day was September 2nd, 1798. Over $160,000 was stolen from the Bank of Pennsylvania at Carpenter's Hall, marking the first recorded bank heist in American history. The theft occurred early that morning and had all the telltale signs of an inside job. There was no evidence of forced entry, not on the doors of the building nor on the vault itself. That technically made the crime a burglary rather than a robbery, as the latter involves the use or threat of force and intimidation, whereas a burglary is merely theft by unlawful entry. But whatever you call it, the crime was a big deal. After all, nothing like it had ever happened in the country before. Carpenter's Hall was constructed in 1770 by the Carpenter's Company, the oldest craft guild in the United States. In 1774, the building served as the meeting place for the First Continental Congress, and it was later home to the Philadelphia Library, as well as the First and Second Banks of the United States. 
banking institutions were especially attracted to the hall, as its solid construction provided a safe place to operate while they put up their own buildings. In 1798, the building's latest tenant was the Bank of Pennsylvania. In August of that year, the bank was in the process of moving in, but first, it needed to make a few changes to make the building more secure. First and foremost, the doors of the vault had to be upgraded, and to do that, the bank hired the services of a local blacksmith named Patrick Leon. The 29-year-old Scottish-born craftsman had emigrated from London five years earlier. He worked as a journeyman until 1797, at which point he established his own shop in Philadelphia, which at the time was the nation's capital. Leon had been hired by Samuel Robinson, the man in charge of overseeing the bank's move into Carpenter's Hall. One day, the blacksmith was hard at work on the new vault doors in his shop when Robinson stopped by with a carpenter whom Leon had never met before. According to a later account by Leon, the stranger seemed to take a special interest in the vault's locking system. But since he was there as Robinson's guest, Leon said nothing of it. Besides, he didn't have time to be suspicious. Philadelphia was in the midst of a yellow fever epidemic, and Leon had been on his way out of town when he received the vault door rush job from the bank. More than 5,000 city residents had already contracted the disease that summer, and nearly 1,300 of them would die from it. Leon didn't want his name added to that list, so he worked to complete the vault doors as fast as possible, shady visitors or not. Leon finished the job without being infected, but the same couldn't be said for his 19-year-old apprentice, Jamie. Once the blacksmith had delivered the doors to the bank, he dragged his sick apprentice aboard a ship and traveled to Lewistown, Delaware in search of help. Unfortunately, Jamie died two days after their arrival. Leon decided to remain in Delaware for the time being until the wave of sickness in Philadelphia had passed. While he was there, he began hearing news of a break-in at Carpenter's Hall. The papers reported that someone had slipped into the vault and made off with $162,821 in cash and Spanish gold, the equivalent of nearly $4 million today. The theft had taken place just two days after Leon's departure, a fact that made him look awfully suspicious in the eyes of Pennsylvania police. He soon discovered he was the prime suspect and wanted for questioning. He hastily returned to Philadelphia in the hope of clearing his name, but try as he might, Leon couldn't get the police to believe his story. They arrested him on the spot and threw him into a 12 by 4 foot cell in the Walnut Street Jail. To be fair, Leon was the most obvious suspect due to his role in upgrading the vault doors and his immediate flight from the city just before the heist. Authorities were convinced he had made himself a spare key and then returned to the city under cover of night to let himself into the bank. Even when Leon offered proof that he hadn't returned to Philadelphia until after the robbery, authorities maintained that he was still somehow involved. The timing, they argued, was just too perfect to be coincidental. But of course, it was just a coincidence. The real culprit turned out to be Isaac Davis, the stranger who had visited Leon's shop in late August. Davis was a member of the carpenter's company that owned the hall 
and had pulled off the heist with the aid of a bank porter named Thomas Cunningham. An inside man in the most literal sense, Cunningham had actually stayed inside the hall overnight and then used his key to let Davis into the vault when he arrived. The pair hadn't intended to frame the blacksmith. That was just a happy accident. Or happy for them, at least. Leon went on to spend the next three months in police custody, desperately hoping not to catch the yellow fever that was running rampant through the jailhouse. Authorities had few other leads, so it's likely that Leon would have stayed there even longer, if not for a gloriously stupid move on the part of Isaac Davis. Within a few days of the theft, Thomas Cunningham had himself died of yellow fever. That left the entirety of the loot in the hands of Isaac Davis. He wasn't sure what to do with such a large sum of money, so he just started depositing it into several different Philadelphia banks, including the very bank he had just ripped off. It didn't take long for bank officials to realize that Davis had suddenly come into quite a bit of money. In fact, when the various banks conferred with each other, they found the deposits added up almost exactly to the amount stolen on September 2nd. When Davis was questioned about where he'd gotten so much money, he almost immediately admitted to the crime. Soon after, the governor of Pennsylvania granted him a full pardon in exchange for a full confession and the return of all the money he'd stolen. Davis complied, of course, and as a result, he didn't serve a single day in prison. As for Patrick Leon, the man who had nothing at all to do with the theft, he remained in jail even after Davis's confession. For three weeks, the police continued to insist that Leon had supplied an extra key to the vault. Finally, with no evidence to support their accusation and no jury willing to convict him, the charges were dropped and at last, Leon was released. It's worth noting that two guards had been on duty outside the bank on the night of the heist and they had also been jailed on suspicions. They too were eventually released but it's astonishing that three men were imprisoned indefinitely while the admitted criminal walked away scot-free. Patrick Leon tried to make the best of a bad situation by writing a tell-all book about the whole messy ordeal. His first-hand account has proven invaluable to historians as it supplied much of the information we have about the heist today. It also provided an unintended lesson on the importance of brevity, as Leon gave his book a ridiculously long title. It reads as follows. The narrative of Patrick Leon, who suffered three months severe imprisonment in Philadelphia jail on merely a vague suspicion of being concerned in a robbery of the Bank of Pennsylvania with his remarks thereon. Quite a mouthful, but in his defense, he was a blacksmith by trade, not a writer. Long-winded title aside, Leon's book actually helped him find justice in the end, as it attracted the attention of several prominent lawyers. With their help, Leon was able to sue the state in 1805 for malicious prosecution and wrongful imprisonment. In the end, the jury took his side and awarded him $12,000 in damages. That ruling was appealed by the defense, but was settled out of court with Leon for $9,000 before the second trial could begin. That reduced award was still a very tidy sum in those days, 
representing several years' worth of wages for a tradesman. The money allowed Leon to start his own business manufacturing hand-pumped fire engines. The venture proved quite successful, and by all accounts he was able to live the rest of his life with all wants provided. He even managed to avoid dying of yellow fever. Way to go, Pat! I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again soon for another day in history class. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku Streaming Experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day, and regular all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Mosley. And I want to let you know about my new immersive BBC Radio 4 podcast series, Deep Calm. It's all about how to tap into and activate a remarkable system that we all have hardwired inside of us, our relaxation response. And it's been developed to be listened to at any time you want to really unwind. I hope you'll listen wherever you get your BBC podcasts. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.